Can the ANC be saved from itself? That is the question that I want to pose in this latest edition of Eusebius on Times Live. Now, the last time I chatted with my two guests that I'm about to introduce you to, it was on the other platform that I also host, In the Ring with Eusebius McKaiser, and at the risk of making their heads grow even bigger than they are, that's been my second most popular podcast out of the last 10 that I've done. So I figured that um, they must be doing something fun and interesting if you are downloading their viewpoints like Amaguinha. And on that occasion, we were asking about the leadership weaknesses of President Cyril Ramaphosa. But today we're going to put the entire party on trial. I don't think anyone can really dispute the numbers unless you're going to accuse the IEC of fraud that after the local government elections, it's very clear that the ANC is in deep trouble. And the question to be posed about that is simple, but it will have a multiplicity of responses that will debate and engage. Can the ANC be saved from itself, or is there a real prospect that it might dip under 50% of the national vote come 2024? Tabo Sholemashaw is a former journalist who works on reputation management, strategic communications issues and related matters for his various clients and he's a very good friend of mine and he's one of my two guests and also Lance Klaassen who's also a seasoned journalist and someone who also thinks long and hard about how strategically to position and reposition um, some figures from the underworld that are now his clients. You're listening to Eusebius on Times Live. That's this latest podcast on Times Live. And it's me, Eusebius McKaiser, exploring the major issues of the week. That means you're going to hear a lot of law, politics and ethics, how they intersect and how important these stories are in the life of all South Africans. When people zone, their children must know this are sellouts. They put saliva on the paper. Mr. Julius Malema whispered and said, sing it, sing it. And then they shared that zone. No, I'm not going to apologize. Can I have my iPad, please? So they stole it. Lance and Tabo, thanks so much for coming on this platform. Thanks so much. Thank you, Yubi. Really appreciate it. I think let's have a dynamic conversation, the three of us as mates, and let's just shoot the breeze on these issues. I mean, the question is easy to pose, but I'm not so sure whether the answer is necessarily an obvious one. And maybe I'll just state the first question and we'll see what direction we will go into. Many political analysts and commentators speak as if it's a fait accompli that we will have an ANC that will struggle to get 50%. Just as a prediction, even though you are not Sankomas, do you share that view? Well, I, I share the view of struggle, but it's not a definite. You should never say never, especially in politics, more so South African politics, UB. Uh, and that is, uh, my, my view is based on a number of things. Currently, we do not see strong opposition that can take on the ANC head on and uh, successfully, if, if an election were to be be held tomorrow, the NC would still win. Uh, then we'll argue, we'd argue the margins, of course, uh, from our side, but the NC would still come out on tops. The nostalgic, uh, patent, 
of moral struggle and liberation, the ANC still has that, that patent. Uh, it sips and uh, it's still in their names thus far. So as a result, um, a lot of South Africans uh, will, if an election were to be held, they'd vote ANC tomorrow. But I'd say uh, my point is they would really, they are going to struggle in 2024. There is no doubt that they will struggle, but it's not an impossible task. The ANC still has time. And if they work really hard, they can really just jump over the 50% okay. margin. Lance, do you, do you agree with Tabo that it's a bit lasty, hasty and it's easy to make predictions, someone once said to me, an older commentator many years ago. If you are right, you can always remind people of your predictions. If you are wrong, no one will speak about it. That's so true, <laughs> but, but the ANC is in trouble. If you look at the, the urban centres, they were that trajectory is not looking good for them. Um, the real the real span in the works eh, are issues that the ANC are almost kind of yes, no, maybe, but, and that's the, the issue of uh, foreign nationals in, in the country. So you get hold of this issue. Eh? It's changed elections in, um, in a change the, the, the Brexit election in the UK, a change what Trump did in, in, in I got into power. Um, this kind of nationalism saw where Hungary, uh, when when it got when it got freed from uh, from the yoke of communism, uh, elected elected a playwright, <laughs> and now it's got Orban. <laughs> it's the same country. People make decisions, and if you don't listen to them, if you don't put them at the center, they're going to punish you at the polls. And we've really seen the kind of fracturing of the votes. These kind of votes, um, we've seen it at um, at uh, what. Uh, Action SA did in its first election, and it was mighty impressive. Eh? The, the, the real nub of it, eh? you go and check out Action SA's election results in Pumville, and you go and check out the Action SA's results in places like Sandringham or where I stay in Lindus. They took votes away from the ANC and the DA. So that says something. That says I think something. you're onto something, Lance. Uh, I think that's, that's true. A, and mm. I think that's the kind of granularity that's often missing in our political analysis because we love speaking about personalities and about narratives but the true number crunching ward by ward comparing across elections to see what the shifts are the kind of thing that real old seasoned reporters like Jan Jan Jobert is particularly good at and analysts like Dr. Sitan Belimbete is very good at Brian Fakir, but it's the exception to the rule. So I think you're onto something. But sadly, and I say sadly because I think the ANC deserves to be punished, I think sadly Tabo is also onto something. I mean, let's look at the ANC's spiritual home. The Eastern Cape is a shambles. I say that with a heavy heart coming from there. And and yet they, they kept being they they're being rewarded for being crap. So their track record is not a predictor of imminent implosion because it's often in those what we <laughs> refer to as rural provinces, which we really shouldn't because they are mixed like the rest of the country. But in those provinces that are particularly poorly governed, it seems like the ANC is not exactly being punished for the empirical record. Yeah, and one of those clear examples, and that Lance would know very well, um, for his sins, uh, it is Northwest. 
um, we both frequent uh, Northwest quite a lot, uh, Lance for different reasons and myself for the others. But um, oh, Lechtenberg, not too long ago, Yubi, Clover decided to close shop and leave uh, that town. And uh, direct jobs were lost. I'm talking about direct people who stay in Lechtenberg, in the Jobotla, uh, uh, they, they lost jobs. But come an election, uh, the previous election, ANC comfortably over 60% in that, in that area, uh, the ANC won. Uh, comfortably so, and they didn't have any problems. So, of course, uh, the numbers matter in this business. But also, I have to caution that um, we need to be uh, very cognizant when we are using the numbers of the uh, first entrance into the ballot, like we've seen with COPE and others in the past, because uh, history has shown us that when a party develops uh, of some sort, the dynamics play themselves out, the Makosi causes uh, implosions and all those things work out. Um, a new electorate somehow loses appetite for those kind of things and reality comes home. So I'm not disputing what Lance is saying at all. I'm just saying there's a dynamic to add. No, I think um, that's fair. I think that's fair, Tabo. There's another, there's another important, if we, I mean, if we're going to be nerdish about it, which we must, and augment political analyses. There's another important rider to the local government elections, despite my framing of this discussion in the blurb and also at the beginning of this um, recording, that there's a massive difference in terms of what locally local ballots ask of you and what national and provincial elections are about. And you cannot easily analogize from the one to the other. And that's something that myself and political analyst Abraham Fakir have been passionate about ever since we've been mates and I've arrived on the journalism scene. You, can, you must compare apples with apples. You can't compare apples with, with, with pears. Local government issues, local government elections, even though national questions are asked, even the election system, the direct voting for a ward councillor, for example, in part, having a little bit of a, a mixed system at local government, it's a very different electoral system than provincially and nationally. But also the spirit of the national elections is very different. With the national election, you're suddenly going to ask yourself, do I really want to be governed by the DA? Lance's question that is in the background to your opening remarks. Can I imagine the EFF really taking over the union buildings? And then suddenly the ANC is back in play in a way in which it might not be when you ask yourself, who do I want as my councillor for Lindhurst? So the, the, the thing is that the ANC has to look at elect uh, we can the, the best predictor of past, of future behavior is past behavior uh, i'm going to use this example because maybe uh, i come from, i come from the western cape family relations are in the northwest so i can pretty much give a a, a geographical point of view of how these votes and stuff swing um, people forget back in 2004 the aims were running the western cape they 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 got they 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 were in coalition with the national party, but they were running the Western Cape, uh, and the DA came was 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 the, came second. 
So how did they get to that from running the Western Cape to getting 18% of the vote with an influx of, of, of due to internal migration of lots of people from the Eastern Cape coming to the, to the Western Cape? And if you look at the population figures, there's more than population parity between colored populations and black population in the Western Cape. It's the black population in the city of Cape Town is a majority. Um, you're going to see it probably now in the census as well. But it's not playing out in, uh, in elections. That means people are not going to vote. <laughs> people from the heartland of the, of, of the, of the, of, of the ANC, that, that they're only relying on their legacy. They're not relying on new voters. And they're not keeping their oh, there of their voters. Um, the middle class vote, no matter where you are, is a contested vote. Um, EFF votes have been shown up by 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 its leadership. Uh, EFF has got one great lead, one great strength as its leader, and it's got one great weakness as its leader. <laughs> because <laughs> because uh, you can't you can't go. Um, and then that was, and that was, uh, and they couldn't get more than their base in the last uh, local than in, in the last local election. Even in the last general election, they, they, they're going to struggle as well. Why? People want consistency, and you can't be saying to Zuma, pay back the money, and then go and visit him later on. You can't be against xenophobia and then pro-xenophobia. People, I mean, how, how is your supporters going to support these kind of things? So there's, there's less of this. There has to be a level of consistency in who you are. And so South Africa is open for uh, some kind of nationalist. We've seen it. That, that Operation Dudula speaks into that. This kind of raw anger, blame somebody else, they to blame nationalists. And we've seen this. And the, the best example I can give is another Congress party called the Indian Congress Party. They were in power for 40, 50 years. And when they lost to Modi, they ne- they, 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 I think they're sitting with out of 534 seats in the, in the Indian Congress, they're sitting with like 53. And this was a party of Indira Gandhi and Rajiv Gandhi and Padit Nero. Taba, I want to bring you back in here because if I listen to Lance, and I, and, I, and I think Lance's contribution is important, it seems to be a mixed bag, which brings us back to not trying to be predictors of what will happen because there are so many variables that one cannot understand sufficiently clearly to do you know proper predictions that are reliable because on the one hand it seems like the ANC should be punished for keeping us in the dark for water insecurity for incredible levels of poverty, inequality, and unemployment. And at the same time, the description of the EFF, for example, I mean, the DA, we don't even need to talk about. They, they, you know, they're just a walking disaster. Those, those are almost, to use economic lingo, externalities that have nothing to do with the ANC's weaknesses, but from which they benefit. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And our oppositions are a best gift to the ANC in this country, if anything at all, because... Their house remains broken. Uh, the neighbors are not capitalizing on that issue. Um, so, uh, and the ANC's upcoming uh, internal elections in December, it's going to be a very interesting litmus test 
for the African National Congress. Of course, all three all three of us will just predict that Cyril Ramaphosa is coming back, and I don't think we'll be wrong by doing that. But it's not the outcomes of that election. It's the dynamic that will play itself out. It's the new factions that will form itself uh, after the expiry date of Ismahashule and uh, the RET factions. Uh, we will then come to see uh, a new opposition to Cyril Ramaphosa and his, and his, uh, to, and his hegemony. Now, uh, I think more than anything else to your question, is the ANC in trouble? It's a definite yes. The ANC is in trouble. But can the ANC redeem itself? There is no one fighting right now very hard. Uh, the direct election, uh, the direct elections that we'll hear about in June right now as to what the actual uh, act will look like after the, uh, the hearings on the bill and everything else that has been going on will also determine who will be standing. And that will also be uh, somewhat of strong punches to the ANC's tummy, but it's not a knockout as such. Uh, and I'm talking about we'll see people, and if I were to put my head on the block, I would assume people like Mohueng Mohueng would want to stand. Taba, I'm going to come. I, I want to stay with you. I want to stay with you before I bring Lance back in. But I want to redirect the discussion. And then I want you to, to, to opine on this. Let's set aside the leadership question and the names question, because I'm going to come to that later. I still want to just complete a material analysis part of this conversation. The state capture years have resulted in a state that is not fit for purpose with economic and socioeconomic indices that are disgustingly bad as a description of our reality. As I said earlier, from poverty to inequity, levels of crime we haven't even mentioned in a long time, low economic growth, etc., 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 is South Africa's politics so weird that despite the years of state capture, <laughs> we still can't guarantee that this government will get less than 50%? And, and, and besides answering that question as a sub-part of that discussion, also tell me whether you are freaked out like I am by what it says about either the state of our politics general or us as voters, that the material conditions of the land can't guarantee that the ANC will be kicked out. Uh, it, it perplexes me every single day of my life that, I mean, um, I'll give you one simple example of those material conditions. Um, in townships, Eusebius, you and I right now, we will be saying that uh, we don't have load shedding because there is no load shedding for you, myself and Lance currently. But in townships where um, my mother's house is in Dobsonville, they have load shedding every other single day. And uh, we have okayed it and uh, we call it load reduction. We've given it a beautiful euphemistic name uh, and uh, it's normal. So what I'm trying to say is the, the poor, the marginalized and the ostracized economically are still feeling a very difficult pinch directly in their lives inside their homes as you and I are talking four hours of no electricity two hours and so on on a day-to-day -day basis but they cannot fathom they cannot fathom the day where they vote against the ANC they will speak out against the ANC they'll admonish ANC councillors who come to their homes but they will still vote the ANC 
us um, who have means and live in urban areas don't understand also the dynamic of the ANC, specifically in rural areas. Um, I'm sure we've all been party to a funeral. You go to a funeral in the rural area. And the chairman of the branch, it's not just a, a chairman of a political party. The chairman speaks at the funeral. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a visceral relationship out in rural areas that that we in urban areas don't see. Because uh, the, the effect of the ANC as a party and the effect of the ANC as a government, uh, in the, there, there's a real hand-in-glove relationship between the two uh, in rural areas. Even in townships, in a sense way, um, um, if Lance were to build a school uh, as a contractor for government, there a, 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 a big chances are there will be a local guy who has been appointed to represent the community. And that person is from the ANC and he decides who Lance hires and who Lance fires or else Lance's project is not going to go ahead. So I'm still saying, what I'm trying to say in agreement with you is that the ANC is still holding its grip very tightly on very, on many communities in South Africa, rural and urban. But but it's more than just a commercial relationship or a power relationship. There's an emotional relationship. Um, Yeah. uh, I was at a, fu- a funeral in, in Toyando and uh, chairman of the branch came up and said, yes, we knew this was our guy. He was our, he were, we knew him during the struggle yeah. and, and he was a, a, he was a yes. member and he was, and, 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 relates, uh, and relates to a long, uh, visceral, deep, emotional history. And when uh, people specifically of an older generation vote for the ANC, uh, they recall that page. Even my late mother um, uh, would say, when I asked her when the DA was sweeping into the power, into power into, in, in, the, in the Western Cape, I asked her, so, mom, are you thinking of voting for Zina? No, I'm not going to go vote, vote for the white people. I just, the, 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 that pain is real. She was not going to hand over power. But can I ask this question, guys, because I understand that psychopolitical dynamic that you are articulating mm-hmm which the opposition scoffs at and they make the strategic error and I have told them publicly and privately for many years and the in or in and the other or eight they refuse to listen because no, they find it, like it goes in it doesn't, doesn't even go in it bounces <laughs> out and goes out of the way <laughs> because they re, they regret that reality they they don't respond to it by trying to understand it and, and grappling with the complex psychopolitical question, how do you go about engaging Lance's mom? They don't want to address that question because they are angry that she dares to have such an emotional relationship. But can I throw a spanner in the works and ask a demographic question? Aren't we supposed to become a younger and younger country? The three of us are supposed to be already old farts, and we hardly have apartheid memory. And so there's an opportunity here for the opposition, isn't there, to excite younger South Africans, if they take it, and I know it's a massive conditional, to be able to vote in the same way in which white racists in America will have to reckon with the demographic shift of white people slowly becoming a minority. Surely the psychopolitical dynamic that the both of you are describing 
can't be the ANC's trump card into perpetuity simply because those people are dying. Yeah, um, what, what I would say about that, Jubi, is that uh, you see the ANC tentacles go as far as the high schools and they grab them right there with Cossas uh, in a high school. And uh, a majority of our young people go to township, rural schools, and so on. They grab them there. That's, that's, that's as far as they go. And uh, those who are lucky enough to go to tertiary institution, then there's Sasco. Uh, and uh, don't forget, also, young Black, I, and I, I don't claim to be speaking for young Black South Africans, because I may be Black, but I'm not young. And I'm, uh, I'm not in the demographic of, uh, I'm, some, I'm somewhat privileged, to be honest. But... Um, I having acknowledged that a whole lot of young uh, black people that I get to interact with, they're very angry at the system. They are asking why are, are the three of us tolerating what we are getting from uh, corporate South Africa, from uh, the white South Africa that is entrenched in holding on to the economy of South Africa. They are born angry. They are not tolerant as I was when I didn't have money for school, walking to school, and I just thought this is a reality of life. That's just how things are. They are highly intolerant of it. And the ANC is the immediate um, uncle. Uh, he may not give them money, but then he gives them hope. And the EFF tries to close in on that space, but it's not doing that job very successfully. Uh, and, and I think, I honestly think, and there's a study that I will share with you much later, Yubi, because it's truly surprising how many young people vote for the ANC, contrary to what you and I may believe that it's only the Gogos and only those who have institutional memory of what the party is. But Lars, now I'm getting depressed, man, because it seems to me if we go back to the the question that is the, the, the driving question of this episode, can the ANC save itself? It seems to me that my question, if you and Tabo are to be believed, that my question is far too optimistic about how much trouble the ANC is in because apparently it seems like all the dynamics, the psychopolitical dynamics that you guys have described, with which I agree, by the way, sociologically, are so powerful as a motive force in our politics that um, despite the ANC's record in government, these psychopolitical dynamics will give it lifeblood more than it deserves a couple of elections still into the future. I mean, surely that can't be the case? You mean, it's not that, that ANC voters are going to vote against the ANC. They're not going to switch to the DA. The biggest problem for the ANC voters is that they stay home. <laughs> That's what happens. Because if ANC voters pitch up, the ANC's biggest enemy is apathy. It's, uh, even though Tab was right about the young people who are politically active tend to vote mostly for the Congress-based organization. So for, for Congress, uh, it's the, the vast majority of them don't pitch up at all. <laughs> and if, the, the problem for, them, for the ANC is if someone captures the imagination of those young people, and they vote for the opposition because they don't have the sense of most most uh, don't have the sense of history. They don't seem to have the sense of uh, of, of of paternalistic relationship for the ANC. But those who do do vote for the ANC. But those who who, who don't have that relationship, or those who are angry with the ANC, or those who are frustrated. They'll stay home. But if they do stay home, then the ANC is in trouble, right? I mean, then yes. then we get back to Tabo's opening statement. Away. Away. The, the Persist. Then it does become a question mm. of margins. 
So let me let me give you an example. Um, there are three Catholics over here on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we might all, yeah, with, we might all be angry with the church, but we're not gonna go and join Rima. No way. <laughs> We'd rather stay home. <laughs> And the opposition parties, specifically the, the DA, they are behaving like evangelical Christians criticizing people who belong to traditional churches and saying, you're stupid, you're staying there. <laughs> you don't insult somebody into yeah. believing coming to your church. <laughs> you say this. In fact, if you take that analogy further, Tabo, I know you like extended yeah. analogies, and then you think that you're angry with the church and you watch a funeral on TV like uh, Ricardo's funeral recently, and I don't think she'll mind me saying so. And then we ended up, really, Clabby and I, sending each other voice notes where we're busy singing along to the hymns on TV. Um, Be still and know and everything else. Because it's, it's in your blood. So it's like when you least suspect, you're like, oh, my God, I'm busy humming the hymns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just one more on those analogies. The fact that, I mean, charismatic churches believe that we do not believe in Jesus makes it even more agitating for us because we want to prove them wrong. Uh, that we do believe in Jesus and we do read the Bible in the Catholic Church. So in this instance, it means when uh, opposition parties think that uh, the ANC has actually gone bad and it has, is not doing anything for anyone. That's when staunch ANC supporters come up and say, actually, they delivered freedom. Actually, they have uh, they are feeding over 8 million children in schools every day. Because and, the anti-retrovital rollout programs, B policies, because, I mean, biggest housing rollout, all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the ANC's biggest enemy the, the, the ANC's biggest supporter, if anything else, it's opposition to the ANC. The more, the more pronounced the opposition to the African National Congress coming from the outside, the stronger the ANC I'm is. I'm going to jump around in my structure a little bit and go straight because you, you guys have gone there dynamically. So it makes sense to just stay in the moment. A question I was going to leave right until the end, I'll ask now. And then we'll do the leadership question at the end instead. I was going to say at the end, if the ANC is unable to fix itself, from a comms point of view, you guys are in the business of brand management, reputation management, crisis management, and whatnot. What do you communicate if you are still broken or impaired? And it seems to me, Tabo, that, that there's a way of thinking about this if you are Lutuli, I was listening to the three of us, that doesn't have to make you feel like you have an existential crisis that is intractable. It is not only that you have a gift of poor position. I think we're being unfair on the ANC. I would say what I'm, what I'm hearing both of you saying, and it reminds me of something that Karima Brown taught me um, as someone who had a knee-jerk critical take on the ANC, that, yeah, the ANC is underperforming, but the ANC does elections well. The one thing it does well, Fakile does well, and my action used to do well, that is the timing. They know exactly when to step up in terms of appearing in which stadia, how to fill them out, how to make sure that there's chias 
that there's a crescendo just in time building up for the day of voting, how to organize so that you actually go to those doors, Lance, that you're talking about, and make sure that you put someone on a wheelbarrow and take them to go and vote. The ANC is actually pretty good at the business of electioneering in a way in which they're not good at running the state. I would go, they're, they're good when they have money. They don't have enough money to pay these staff. And that's the real crisis that's going to hit them. Uh, who's that's, the, a, that's a good point. Which, 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 uh, which bus company is going to give them buses? <laughs> we, were, we were all at, in Polo, not Polo, in Mangahung. What happened in Mangahung in the last day? The Congress gets extended because there was voting and stuff. And then the air conditioning in the in the in the in the marquee kicks out. <laughs> <laughs> and there was this, I, I normally I don't delve into rumor, but evidently the, the the subcontractor says you pay me my money, and then I'll switch on the air contractor. <laughs> but Tabat, do you agree with that? Because the ANC is also very good at finding sugar daddies. No, no, especially come time for elections, not for real stuff. The ANC is like a, day, a parent who's not going to pay your school fees. Uh, the lights will go out. But come the 21st birthday party, it's the best 21st birthday party. <laughs> complete, complete with those little, those little swans with peanuts in them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, Lance, uh, this is where I disagree with Lance. The fact that they don't pay their employees doesn't mean they're not going to have money for elections. That money is going to be there. And maybe you have spotted something very critical. Many of the ANC leaders that I've spoken to before, they've said this to me. They've said, one thing that we have is a machinery, and it's called an electioneering. But we are afraid that one day it's going to break. And every single day, every single year, uh, election year, we pray that that machinery is not breaking in that year. It will break one day, but they know it very well. And they bring up this um, communicative, aspirational thing that they do, especially in townships, in rural areas. They bring their nice bikes, their Mercedes Benz, and people are not necessarily saying, why are you driving in those cars? People are saying, oh, it means that there is access to those things. One day, I may get into that Mercedes Benz. And in fact, Tabo, in addition to that, right, and may her non-existing soul rest in peace, Karima was making this point in an Instagram live discussion with me around looking ahead to the local government elections and saying that, you know, one of the interesting challenges for the ANC was going to be, and the ANC should reflect on this as one of the more silent reasons for why they did poorly, other than their governance record, which is the most important. The ANC couldn't exactly do what it would normally do if there wasn't a pandemic, which is precisely the psychology of mass gathering. Mm. That's the kind of thing that mm. the ANC is very yeah. good at. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And they do it very well because that's when the sloganeering comes up. That's when those um, uh, struggle songs that we all wanted to sing when we were activists, journalists on the ground, but we couldn't uh, do it pub publicly because Lance was looking at me as my boss. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, uh, well, but all those things, they, yeah, uh, they the T-shirts, they make you resonate with them. And you just start asking yourself, but am I really abandoning this? Let me give them just one more time. Just one more. 
and one more time becomes another time and so on. So are you suggesting that the voters who vote ANC habitually are suffering from battered spouse syndrome? I, I, yeah, uh, and there is uh, definitely, uh, I, I would say that some, some of them do. And um, the, the, the Stockholm syndrome comes yeah. to mind. In the, uh, 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 it, it, it does come to mind. I think it sounds a bit harsh, but I, it, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but the Stockholm syndrome, in a sense that we are now feeling pity for someone who's holding us hostage, who's stopping us from progressing, developing, becoming better and thriving. And now this person is holding us Worse hostage. Worse than that, they're stealing from you. They're not just holding you hostage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask the embedded question. This will be our last big question. Lance, let's start with you. Obviously, the ANC is not short of problems, right? One of the problems that that Tabo flagged that I put aside is the leadership question. And the way I've put it in my the write-up that accompanies this audio is that they've got a leadership crisis with two dimensions. There's an ethical crisis and also just technocratically. There seems to be a lack of brains trust there to solve the most important problems of the day. Between now and 2024... And also just in terms of general capacity and human resourcefulness, is the ANC in a position to address its leadership crisis, its talent crisis? Does it have a talent crisis? They are, even if, uh, if when they went to the sledge and, and Cyril Ramaphosa wins the entire slate for him, they're still going to be in a mess. Because this whole thing of collective leadership, where they all have to get to put put a street committee together to decide whether Russia did a bad thing, it's like this 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 the, the whole culture of indecisiveness and collectivism just holds everything back. Now I'm I'm a I'm a Democrat. I believe in discussion, but good lord, somebody when you have to lead, you have to lead. You know, pick a lane, do something, and then be held accountable to it. Um, the, and, you, and you can see it through the entire ANC's history. Just take the, the economic policy from gear to whatever, as Giza, to ever, ever. It's, it's like, it's a, it's a committee of everything of, of where they, they went out to design a donkey and they ended up getting a camel. That's what they have. And that's what they do with everything. Everything is convoluted. Everything is, it's, it's shrouded in some kind of, of, of mystery. There's a mixture of a democracy and, uh, and, and, a, and a communist central committee. But but before Tabo comes in, can I just can I just um, demand of you to take a view on on the sub question? Is it a lack of brains, or is it the ANC's culture of collectivism that stops some potentially ethically minded, technically brilliant people from from leading? It's, it's the culture. That's the culture. There's, there's no, there's no doubt about it. The, about the brains trust within the ANC. You go. I've been through what? How many sets, sets of ANC resolutions? There is no doubt about it that people in the ANC understand the problems of South Africa. But the fact that they are hamstrung in doing anything about it, that they can't act on people that are flagrantly corrupt, flagrant. I mean, I mean, incompetent to to hell and God. And I mean, let's take. One of the basics of that, uh, you go back to Mangahung 
it was a it was a resolution by the ANC that all government that the, the post bank should get a uh, commercial license and all government business should go through the post bank. Nothing's happened. In fact, most of the most of the people on uh, on uh, were, were voted back in the, the NEC. So the people that were supposed to do it didn't do it, and they didn't do it for a second time, uh, <laughs> and they get voted back. I mean, if you can't even act on your own resolutions, <laughs> how can I trust you with my with my with my with my, with my pipes and my with electricity? Absolutely, your own bloody resolutions. <laughs> My favorite one from Mango Hung Lance was that the subsequent 10 years was meant to be the decade of the cadre. With this political, a political school that was meant to instill Batopela principles and technical skill and then unleash these cadres into the state. And I think all you ended up with is um, a couple of lessons from Tony Yengedi. <laughs> Tabo, where do you see these issues is do you agree with with lance that the anc doesn't have an intellectual capacity problem it's an organizational cultural problem that's causing the leadership crises completely uh some of the best brains that i've debated with are from inside the anc i think and um and many of those smart ethical well-directed individuals will never make it even to become uh, branch chairpersons and branch secretaries of the ANC. And that's one. The ANC has also identified this in uh, their document uh, through the eye of the needle uh, uh, some years ago that uh, gatekeeping is a serious problem. Uh, and, and gatekeeping because there is generally a culture of entitlement that last year it was Eusebius. This year is Tabo, and the next year is Lansu must get their uh, their chance to get their hands in the trough. So, a, an issue of entitlement to positions based on generational uh, handing over of power, and uh, not just generational, but also different facets of the struggle that the exiles, the insiles, Robin Island, and so on. Those. In interesting intrapolitical, uh, invisible fault lines within the ANC. Uh, that's a big problem. And people are entitled to positions simply because they had fought. They do not say that uh, Eusebius is smart enough. This is your, I uh, can win all, all uh, uh, lobby behind Eusebius. And with those who usually make it to the leadership positions, one, they have resources to do so, but two, they have the ability to mobilize. They are not necessarily the smartest, the brightest, and the most innovative, but they are the ones who understand the election, intra-party electionary so well that they know that they will call Tabo on the side, they will visit Lance at night, and tomorrow uh, we are not going to correct. And when you are angry, uh, then two days later we will have that brunch meeting. Those are the ones who are making it. So can I pull it all together and, and see where we've landed? I like clear answers, but I think complexity must be embraced if it is the truth. If the question is, can the ANC be, can the ANC be saved from itself? It seems to me that the spirit of our discussion, and maybe where I've landed, and each of you can have a minute telling me where you've landed for now, we'll revisit this in a couple of months because it's an ANC election year and you know, they're shifting sands. But it seems to me that the weird sort of overall tropes from our discussion are something like the following. The ANC is a hot mess. 
It's going to continue to be a hot mess. There is a leadership crisis. It's underpinned by an organizational cultural problem more than a human resource or talent problem. It can't save itself from itself between now and 2024 because the things that I've just mentioned are too many and too complicated. But notwithstanding all of that, because of everything that's come in the 40 minutes before this sentence, the ANC is not going out of fashion anytime soon because South African realities are so weird. Lance, is that a fair summary? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I would add that, I would add this, but, um, you know, you can live a long time uh, with, with a chronic condition. But if you but if you're uh, if you're a diabetic and you keep uh, eating sherbet and candy floss, it's gonna come back to haunt you, eh? You might take your pills, you might not, but you don't change it. You, you, <laughs> you don't change it. At some point, an old black person is going to have an analogy about BP or diabetes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we've reached that stage, middle age, middle class. <laughs> But if you don't change your habits and if you don't have to take your medication and the ANC is not taking its medication, it's not changing its habits. At some point, a crisis is going to, a small crisis is going to arrive and it's going to end up being a big crisis because they've ignored the small thing and they won't be able to repair it because it's a lifetime of bad living and we're reaching that stage. Yeah. Tapa, do you share that analogy that the ANC, if it's not careful, it might lose a limb like the Eastern Cape? Certainly, but I'd say that the ANC has got a stab wound on its tummy and it has it's not even treating it. It's not going to the doctor. The Wait clinic. right there. That so was, first we've got black was, people <laughs> using diabetes <laughs> and BP as an analogy. And then because you're South African, there has to be violence that also makes an appearance. I'm completing this entire circle of South Africa, okay. <laughs> They've got a serious wound on their tummy, but they're not even treating it. It's not been cleaned up. It's not been taken to a doctor to look at. They have simply put bandage on it and uh, they are hoping that uh, it's going to be okay. And it's not. And we can all see the blood gushing out of this white bandage and it's getting worse and worse, but they're still walking. They're saying, I'll get there and I'll go to the doctor after I've seen my girlfriend, but I must go see my girlfriend. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and that is very, that is what I'm really, yeah. Uh, before the analogies get weirder, Lance and Tabo, thank you for your insights. Honestly, my my readers and my listeners love you guys as commentators, and I know you've got different sources of income, but your hearts are still in journalism and in political and hard news in particular. So I appreciate your stepping back into this traditional role. And um, let's do it several times this year in particular. It is a very important year in the lead up to 2024. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Cheers.